for you, O Lord, art high above all the earth. You are exalted far above Father God, in the name of Jesus, we exalt you this morning. We give you praise and glory. Father God, be exalted in us and through us. Speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. We give attention to your word. Speak to us, Father God, for we have hearts to hear what thus saith the Lord and obey and walk therein that you might be glorified by not only those who are in your church body, but that the world might, through observing our humble obedience to your word, our carrying out in our lives what you've commanded us to do, they will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. For you are worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be glorified. You and you alone our God. In salvation, reconciliation with you, eternal life in you, relationship with you can be attained and received through none other than your only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we adore. to whom we are so thankful and grateful for the price he paid for our sin debt on Calvary's cross and his victory and triumph over Satan, over sin, and over death through that cross in that he rose again on the third day. unto eternal life. We just thank you 
Father God, we give you glory. And we pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, NCF, and, and, and those who may or may not be a part of NCF, but may be tuning in uh, to the message uh, via Facebook Live or uh, later on in our podcast. So, good morning. Welcome. And I uh, just bless you in the name of the Lord. And I pray that uh, uh, God uses me to bless you in the word this morning. I won't take much of your time this morning, but uh, it has become apparent to me that God wants me to park for a season on the subject of the posture of discipleship. And uh, some of you may remember two weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, well, a few weeks ago, I started off um, talking about uh, the cross and, and, and carrying our cross and laying down our lives and so forth. And, and that spoke to discipleship. And a couple of weeks ago, I... Uh, spoke on uh, Search Me, O God, out of Psalm 139, uh, with particular emphasis on verses 23 and 24. And I said, the title of the message was Search Me, O God, uh, the Posture of Discipleship. And there are, there are many facets uh, of discipleship. Um, and we'll go over different facets of discipleship uh, in the coming weeks, um, I just want to pay particular uh, emphasis on uh, the Word of God and our uh, approach to it. And just as a brief recap, uh, uh, our theme scriptures uh, for this season that we're going to be covering this are remain Psalm 139, uh, verses 23 and 24. And Second uh, Chronicles, uh, chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. Uh, those remain our theme scriptures, and, and uh, I'm going to be referring to those uh, pretty frequently, or, uh, or at least uh, uh, regularly, uh, as we go through the posture of discipleship in the coming weeks. Now, I'm, I'm going to read Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 to start off. Uh, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous or wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, uh, when I covered this passage a couple of weeks ago, I made it clear that that passage started off with saying that God has searched us. God does know us. He knows everything about us. So it's not asking God to search us. Uh, the psalmist here is not asking God to search him for God's benefit. He's asking God to search him for his own personal benefit. Search me like a miner. Dig the stuff up that's in me, whether it be treasure or whether it be rocks, whether it's precious or whether it's not. Uh, I want to know. Reveal to me 
me because I want to know where I am in accordance with you and where I've deviated from you because I want to be in full alignment with your word. I want to be in full alignment of your will, oh God. That matters to me more than anything else. It matters so much to me. I'm willing to deal with being confronted with my imperfections. I'm willing to be confronted with the things that I don't want to admit to myself, the things I don't want to acknowledge. And, and, and you know, I, I also want to know the secret things that are in me that I'm not aware of. Test me in, in life. Test me in ways that, that, will that will trigger me, that will cause me to react in, in, in such a way that will cause me to display an attitude in such a way that will reveal to me the issues of my heart. Things that are motivating me to behave in ways that are contrary to your will, that are contrary to your word, that's contrary to the way of the Lord. Those things are in there. And at some point, they're going to be triggered. They're probably going to be triggered by someone. And if this is not dealt with in me, then I'm probably going to respond in a way that doesn't represent God well. That doesn't represent God the way I ought to be representing him. And I might become a stumbling block to that individual who may not be saved. So I don't want to walk in ignorance. I don't want to walk not being aware of where my issues are. I want you to bring them to my attention for the express purpose of me then surrendering those things to you, God, and allowing you to heal me, allowing you to restore me, allowing you to mature me in those areas so that I can walk in victory over those things and, 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 and I won't be easily offended. I won't be a stumbling block. I'll be able to minister to others through those things. And so I just wanted to reiterate that in case those uh, some are listening who weren't uh, here a couple of weeks ago. So search me, reveal me to me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. Show me how to go forward. Now, you know, in order for God to lead you in the way everlasting, you have to be committed to following his lead. You know, God can't just lead you somewhere you're not willing to go. Now, I know it's often been said that, and I might get in trouble with some people here, it's often been said that God is a gentleman. And I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that, but as long as we're not going too far with it, because I want you to know that while he's a gentleman, God is also no joke. And, 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 and God is, is also uncompromising. All right? And we learned, I won't get back into all of Psalm 30, 139 and so forth, but, but, but we've learned in how he dealt with Moses. We've learned with how he dealt with Gideon. We've learned with how he's dealt with Jonah. We've learned a lot of things that God... If he has a call on your life and he is determined that you're going to do something, he's going to hem you in. He's going to jam you up. He's going to put you in the situation. And he's going to keep pressing you until you surrender 
and agree to obey his will in that matter. Okay? So while he may be a gentleman, he also will not be denied. He also will get your compliance. All right? He will put you in the wilderness of sin and deal with you until whatever needs to die and you dies because he is determined that you go to the promised land. Amen? He's incurred, he's, in, he's determined that his will and purpose for you is realized. And he's determined not to put you there without you being prepared to thrive and survive there. Amen? And so, for our own good, he will deal with us. And when we you know, the Bible says that he chastises them that he loves. You know, it may not be very gentlemanly in our mindset to be chastised, you know. So don't don't think for a minute. I don't know what you mean when you think in your mind that God is a gentleman and he won't force you to do something. You better think again, all right, because he will deal with you how he needs to deal with you to get you to line up, surrender, and obey what he wants you to do because I got news for you, and I've had to come to this realization pretty early. It's not about, it's not just about you. Okay? We gave our hearts to the Lord. We are saved. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. We're good. But you know what? He didn't just save us for the purpose of being saved. He saved us so that we might be his disciples and that we might go out into a lost and dying world and with the message of reconciliation to get other people saved and to make them disciples in the Lord, okay? Because he's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come into repentance, okay? The work is not done yet. He still has those out there that he loved, that he gave his only begotten son for, that needs to know the truth, that needs to be snatched out of darkness into his marvelous light, that needs to be brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, whose names are not yet written in the Lamb's book of life, but he's called us to proclaim the good news. He's called us to go into the highways and byways and to preach the gospel so that those people names can be written. There are persuadable people out there, but we've got to have our minds right. We've got to have our helmets of salvation on, and we've got to be about our Father's business. And don't think for a second that your resistance to doing that, that God's just going to be gentlemanly and just let you sit there and not do what he's called you to do. He's going to convict. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you. He's not going to let you be at peace and rest in not doing what God has called you to do. If when you think God is a gentleman, you think that you think otherwise, then you think wrong. And as I'll repeat, in order for God to lead you in the way everlasting, you have to be committed to following his lead. If we don't humble ourselves and commit to following his lead,
God's not just going to uh, accept that. But if we don't do that, then he's not going to be able to lead us where he wants to take us. So David invited God to come into his heart and search him. Like a miner searching for jewels or, or precious metals. And I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. And I want to repeat this again because it really resonated in my heart. God knows everything about us. He knows thoughts forming in our minds before we even know they're forming. He knows what we're going to say before we know what we're going to say. He knows what our fears are. He knows what our personal challenges are. He knows what our hang-ups are. He knows what triggers us, you know, and he still tells us to go in a direction where all that stuff might be, might be triggered. All that stuff may challenge us. But he knows everything about us, everything, not just the stuff we let other people see. He knows the ugly stuff that we don't want anyone to see, and he loves us anyway. I want that to resonate with you deeply because some of you may not have an individual in your life that will, that, that loves you and will love you no matter what. They love you not only on your best day, but on your worst day. And some of you may consider yourselves unlovable. You may consider yourself, you may feel invisible. Invisible, unlovable. Not valuable. I want this word, and I know God wants this word to encourage you in all of those areas to let you know that he values you. That he treasures you. Okay, you have significance to him. Your flaws do not change that. He's already searched you. He's known you fully. He knew you before you were even fully formed in your mother's womb. And even in, even in the midst of your worst mistakes, his love for you has remained constant. In light of that, there should be no fear on our part to invite him to search our hearts and to test our thoughts and our attentions. We should invite him to test us, invite him to dig up all that stuff and reveal it to us because it's not anything new to him. He already knows it. So let's invite him to do the work in a way that will reveal it to us so that we can humble ourselves, repent, and line up with him in the direction he has marked out for our lives. Now, I know this is, a, this is a rehashing. 
I think because it's been a couple of weeks, I'm going to really uh, rehash a lot of what I went through uh, a couple of weeks ago because I want there to be a good foundation laid as we get into the Word of God and what our approach should be to it, okay? So I just want us to be settled and secure in how our God views us, how our God sees us, how our God regards us. Our relationship with Him okay, is not performance-based, all right, in the, in the sense of our salvation. God is, by grace have we been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, okay? So the security of our relationship with God is in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we should be buck wild and, and running around and just giving giving uh, space for the flesh to, 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 to have its expression through us. No, 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 no. We are his now. We belong to him. We've been, bought to, uh, we've been bought with a price. And so there is a standard. There is an expectation of behavior. We ought to, having been freed from the bondage to sin and death, then we ought not to walk in slavery to sin and death anymore. We have been free to walk in righteousness. There, 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 there ought to be evidence of the transformation that's happened in us, okay? But we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's a process that God is working in us and through us toward maturity in Christ, okay? So that means during that process, there's going to be times when we sin. There's going to be times when we fall short. Okay, and but God's word has marked out for us what we should do, how we should handle those situations. We shouldn't park there when confronted, when convicted. Okay, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, then we should respond with repentance. When a brother or sister calls us out, we should be humble enough to receive that calling out and repent. When we've offended someone, we should be about unifying, reconciling, responding in a way that conveys the love of Christ that's within us. It's responding in a way that shows the value that God puts on that individual, not any personal value based on our own standard that we might put on that individual. Okay, I may not have much of a problem with what I did. I may not see much wrong with it. But what does God's word say? Okay, that's the standard that we should be applying here. And my attitude that I'm having toward that individual. Okay, what is it based on? Am I giving myself license to not walk in love toward that person because I've judged their attitude or behavior to not be deserving of a certain type of respect or dignity or, 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 or love demonstrated toward them. Well, then I'm substituting my standard for God's standard. What does God's word say? And are we in line with what it says? Is my attitude in accordance with what God's word says my attitude ought to be? All right, is the way I'm thinking toward that individual in line with what God's word says I ought to think like towards others. 
all right? Is my behavior in line with what God's word says my behavior ought to be? And in where it does not, then it's incumbent upon us to correct it and get into obedience with what God's word says. Time, it's time to stop using the attitude and actions and, uh, and perceived motives of others as self-personal license to behave in ways that is not in obedience to God's word because he does not give us outs, all right? So uh, David invites him to examine him and, 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 and gin up all that stuff, but there's purpose in it because he wants to not be in disobedience in any way to God. He wants to be in line with, with God's word in every area of his life, not just what's observable, not just outward appearance, but the innermost parts of his heart, the way he thinks, uh, 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 the, 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 way he, the way he feels, all these things he wants to subject to God's word of truth. And uh, uh, the second uh, scripture that's the, uh, one of the theme scriptures for us during this season as we're going into the posture of discipleship, uh, parking there for a season, Second Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 14, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now listen to this because it's relevant to us today. Um, and I think it's uh, very insightful for us as, as the end of 2019, as in 2019, we were looking at 2020 as God is the year that God will correct our vision, correct our perspectives, bring us into proper kingdom mindset focus. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, this tells me that God's people were part of the problem. There would be no need to humble themselves if pride wasn't an issue. He wouldn't have to call on them to pray and seek his face if they were already doing it in the first place. There would be no need for them to turn from their wicked ways if they weren't engaging in wicked ways to, to begin with. This is God's people. And so I believe this word is speaking to us today. It's easy for us to look out into the world and see the flaws of the world, see every degradation, to see everything that they're doing that is against God's word. That's easy to do. What else are sinners going to do but sin? Sinners aren't seeking God. But 
But that doesn't limit us because greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. There is stuff out there, but we've got God. We've got the hope, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Okay, we've been imbued with power from on high in the name of Jesus. Amen? So we have, been, we have the authority to go into the world, bust in the gates of hell, and release the captives. We have that ability, but we have to do it in the Lord. We, we, we got our own issues that we've got to repent of as a body of Christ. We've got to repent of some things as the bride of Christ. And notice that scripture in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 12 and 14, it mentions nothing about the government passing certain laws or 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 the legal system changing and so forth. It didn't, it mentioned nothing about who the leader was and, and, and what the leader could or couldn't do or needing to change leaders and, and so forth and so on. It, it, he just said, there is one thing that is needed for this whole thing to turn around. My people are the ones who are not in line with me. My people are out of order. And it is time for my people to get their act together and to repent and get in line with me it's time for my people to be peculiar people and to behave like my people ought to be behaving. If you want to know what will turn this thing around, it's going to, it's going to require first a turnaround in the church. That's what that word said then, and that word is still true today. So I, so I challenge you, people of God. Let Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, let that be, let that, let that challenge you, let that convict you, let that motivate you into some serious self-introspection and some serious self-examination, okay, concerning our thoughts, concerning our attitudes, concerning how we perceive and behave toward others, and examine whether or not that is of the Lord or not, because to the extent that it isn't, then we better also be applying 2 Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 14 here. Because that is needed more than anything, okay? More than laws being changed in the Supreme Court. More than uh, who gets elected in, 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 in local, state, and federal government or not. The most important thing is what is God's people doing? And, and what are we doing with the Word of God? Does it mean something to us? Is it is it something that, is it just something that we read for head knowledge or is it something that we examine deeply and thoroughly because we want to walk in it? Getting a little bit ahead of myself, but it says, if my people, that's all he focused on, my people, the people who wear the kingdom jersey, the people who are on the on 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 kingdom of god the people who are who are called after his name the name of christ jesus if my people will get their stuff together the ones who are called by my name will stop being prideful and humble themselves will stop seeking answers everywhere else and decide to pray and seek my face instead of seeking their own desires or seeking answers somewhere else if they will 
Stop making excuses for their wicked ways and instead turn away from, repent from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You know, maybe that's what all this that we're going through is about. Maybe to some degree that's why God allowed this to happen. Because I, I won't do it to you now, but I can go through the Bible many, many times. This cycle has played out in the children of Israel, and it's played itself out in the church throughout history as well. Okay? We, we are in a time of struggle. We're in a time of, of trial and tribulation, and that draws us to God. And we repent and we go to God. God delivers us mightily. He, he shows himself strong on our behalf. All right, and we're on fire for God, and things are well. We are blessed tremendously. You know, life is good, all is good. But then over time, we get comfortable in all that good, and we begin to be lax concerning our relationship with God. Uh, Our need for Him, all of a sudden, we, we start taking it for granted. Okay, and and, and we, we feel a little bit more self-sufficient. We feel, uh, we, we, we get real comfortable and so forth, and, and then we let ourselves become lax in our pursuit of him. We start justifying things that we should not justify. We start behaving and conducting ourselves in ways that don't really honor him or reflect his heart and in, in, in the character of the God that we serve. And then calamity strikes again, and then it grabs our attention, and then what? God allows that to happen, and then where do we go? We go right back to God. All of a sudden, we, we search him out again because we're now at a time again that is beyond our ability to overcome. We, we know we need God, and all of a sudden, we're woke. We're woke to the fact that, oh, my gosh, that we're in real trouble. Oh, God, what do we do? And we run to God and we want him to, and when we do, he's faithful. He shows himself strong on our, ha- on our behalf again. And that cycle continues itself. For a while, we cling to him. And then over time, we drift away and become more apathetic towards, towards him. And I'm not condemning, uh, you know, the whole church and so forth, but I'm just I'm putting this out there, and this is really what I believe God is just challenging us during this time. Yes, with hopeful expectation, let's look for a vaccine. Let's hope they find a vaccine and so forth. And with with hopeful expectation, you know, let's hope this this American experiment is pushed forward in a lot of areas, especially when it comes to social injustice and, 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 and racism and all this other stuff. All those things, they need to happen, and we need, and, and we can trust God that those things will be advanced and move forward and so forth. We can hope in those things. We can hope that those things come to pass, and, and we can, 
even be active in helping those things come to pass and so forth. But you know what the body of Christ really need to be doing first is we need to reconnect. We need to assess whether what we've been doing, whether how we've been behaving, whether what we've, uh, how, we've, how we've regarded and treated people and so forth and so on. We need to inspect ourselves to see if we're really motivated by what we ought to be motivated by, if that makes sense. Or if we're missing the mark. And the only way to do that is we've got to really draw into him and we've really got to let the word of God. The word of God is, is like a, a two-edged sword, all right? The word of God will reveal to us what, what side, whether we're on the side of right or wrong. What are our motivations? What motivates, you know, do we think that someone who we disagree with ideologically and so forth, if they go out in the pursuit of their side of things and, 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 and calamity befalls them, you know, they get hit by a car, shot and killed and so forth, whatever, do we, do, do we struggle with thoughts of serves them right? Because that's not God. Right? And so I, so I want to get to the thoughts. <laughs> I want to get to the intents of your heart and, and let God's word convict you there. Uh, everything flows from that, from the heart. All right? So just wanted to say that. So we need to be introspective. We need to allow God to search us, and we need to be humble enough that when God speaks truth to us, when the word of God is presented to us, we humble ourselves and receive it, and, and we allow God to bridle us. We, we, we allow him to put the reins on us and allow him to, to lead us like a, a person riding a horse, allow him to lead us where he wants us to go. We don't want to be mules. We don't, you know, we don't want to be ones that are always bucking against what God is wanting us to do. We want to be uh, com compliant. We want to be uh, humble before God. That when he reveals our error, we repent of it, and we become doers of his truth. You know, Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The word of the Lord, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You know, that the term or the number seven, uh, it, it speaks of various things, but in this context, it speaks of perfection, uh, completion. All right. So, so God's word is perfect. It's like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times. Okay. There's nothing lacking in his word. His word is pure. His word is complete. All right. Jesus, when he prayed uh, to God in John 17 about his disciples, he said, sanctify them in the truth. And he said, to, he's talking to Father God, your word is truth. All right? So God's word is pure. God's word is complete. God's word is perfect. God's word is truth. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 27 and 28 says this. And he said these things. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, 
Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he, Jesus said, uh-uh, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. See, it's not just about hearing the word, reading the word, knowing what it says, but it's about allowing ourselves or intentionally, all right, intentionally hearing, reading, studying the word of God and obeying it. Are we obeying God's word in, uh, uh, in everywhere? Uh, I was going to say, are we obeying God's word where uh, where it matters? Uh, it matters everywhere. All right. Are we obeying God's word? Okay. Not just in um, not fornicating and not committing adultery and 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 perverse language and so forth, cursing people out and getting up. No. But, but but also, are we obeying God's word and practicing the one another's of Scripture? All right? How do we regard others? How do we talk about others? How do we, you know, uh, 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 do, are there those that we hate? And are we allowing that hate of those individuals to go unchecked? Because we're harboring bitterness and hatred toward others. Our hearts are hard. And when the Holy Spirit tries to to convict us and and steer us in love toward those individuals, we can't because the flesh has got us, has been fed so much, okay? We're we're, we're watching uh, TV. We're watching people tell us how to feel about stuff. We're listening on radio broadcasts and so forth to people tell us how we should feel, how we should perceive, how we should look at, this, how we should regard people. And if we're giving no consideration to whether what we're being told lines up with Scripture or not, if we're just giving place to that in our hearts, okay, then we are walking in disobedience to God. We have to weigh that. We have to discern, hey, this may, this may be tasty to my flesh and so forth, but I want to take what I've been told, what this person is saying to me, you know, I like this channel. I like this network. I like that individual. There are there's certain things that, certain perspectives and worldviews that line up, mine line up with that individual. Yeah, but that doesn't, but I should not be off my guard, okay? That doesn't mean everything that individual says is going to be in line with what I'm to be doing before God. And so, I'm going to need to try the spirits. I'm going to need to test what's being said, the nature of it. I'm going to need to take that to God's word and let it be revealed for what it is. Let it be revealed for whether or not that is of the Lord. And if it and if it's in line with Scripture, if it's in line with what God has commi- commanded us to do, if, if I can do this, okay, and still glorify God, if I can do this and it is in line with the obedient walk before God that I am supposed to have, then praise God, I, 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 will, I will do it diligently. But where it is contrary to what God's word says, if it's contrary to the attitude, the mindset, the behavior that God has commanded me to have from a kingdom perspective, then I've got to reject that. 
because I belong to him. I've been bought with the price, and I'm an ambassador for him. So I can't let someone else tell me and, 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 um, and uh, tempt me into moving into a lane that does not represent the God of my salvation. All right? And so, uh, and, and, I, and I'm not just going to rest and allow myself to be mad or angry or, or judgmental toward individuals and so forth because that's not what God's called me to do. Okay? There is one who judges them. All right? We represent him, and it's his heart not to, as, to the extent possible, he, it's his heart that no one has to go through the eternal judgment that is awaiting those who reject the gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. Okay? And that is the role that we play. We are his ambassadors. We are his witnesses. We are the ones to proclaim that to those people that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, that there is hope eternal for them, and, and let them know that they need to receive that they are sinners, that they are standing guilty before God, that eternal damnation is their destiny apart from Christ. But fear not, there's good news. Christ died for you. He paid the penalty for all that. And all you have to do is bow the knee, humble your heart, receive that gift of salvation. You know, but will we do that with hard hearts? <laughs> will we do that uh, to people whom we are uh, bitter towards and judgmental towards? I just want to challenge you, don't let your hearts uh, receive that that junk. Uh, I didn't have the number. Proverbs 4.23, you know, uh, it says to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Let's guard our hearts. Let's guard our hearts and keep it soft in accordance with God's word. Let's see people the way God wants us to see people. Let's conduct ourselves toward people the way God wants us to conduct ourselves towards people. Let the word of God be the standard. Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, you know, uh, Job, every time that name comes up, the main thing, the first thought that comes in everybody's mind is all the tragedy that he suffered, all the loss, the loss of his children, of his livestock, you know, destruction of property, uh, the false accusation of his friends, and, and all that stuff. But you know what I want to highlight is I, I believe the mindset, the disciple, that humble posture of discipleship that was displayed uh, several times by Job, but I want to highlight it in Job 23, verse 12. He says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than, in, more than my portion of food. And we've got to get to the point to where we treasure God's word to that point. You know, it will sustain us through hardships and trials. It will, it, it will anchor us and, and navigate us through emotional uh, uh, struggles and so forth and, and, and feelings of uh, hatred and bitterness and judgment toward others. Uh, 
uh, it, it shows you how tethered we must be with the words from God's lips, the word of God. He treasured the words of God's mouth more than his portion of food. We've got to prioritize the word of God. That, that we have to have a posture of discipleship towards God's word. Pastor Dale uh, preached out of this scripture uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Psalm 32. And I'll just read a couple of those verses starting at verse 8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. See, God doesn't want us to have to be bridled. He doesn't want to have to force us into compliance. He wants us to be soft-hearted toward his word. He wants us to be willing, willingly obedient. But he says, I will instruct you and teach you. Well, he'll instruct you and teach you through his word. And he says, I will counsel you. That's going to be counsel out of his word with my eye upon you, all right? So, so, so his eye is on you. You can't go through anything without him, uh, without him knowing it, without him being in it with you, okay? So he's going to lead you into some trying times, but he's going to lead you through those trying times, and you're gonna, on the back end of it, you're going to be better than you were before. You're going to be better off as a result of it. Um, uh, trust God's word. So, we have to posture ourselves to be humbly and obedient towards God's word. Now, I want to ask you, how are you posturing yourself? Are you posturing yourself in obedience to the word of God? Are you allowing your heart and your mind to be repositioned or reoriented according to the scriptural command of God? It's not a suggestion to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And the second one that's like it is not a suggestion. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are not suggestions. Those are commandments. And if we are the people of God, we need to be walking in obedience to that. We need to regard it with the heaviness that, that is required of us. It is a command. It is something that we must be bound and determined to do. Because people ought to be able to see the character of Christ through the way we conduct ourselves. Just like Jesus told the disciples when he said, show us the Father. He said, you've seen the Father. You, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, I don't act contrary to him. I represent him. What he says goes. And by extension, that should be the same for us. What God's word says goes. And I'm not just going to say that as it pertains to somebody else I'm pointing my finger at. I'm going to say that to, of myself. What God's word says goes. I may feel a certain way, and I may feel like this is the way it ought to be done. But if it's contrary to God's word, God's word is the command, and God's word is the way that I will go. 
And we have to, that, if you've been on this side of that issue, uh, where you've justified your own way of doing things without regard to what God's word says and so forth, then we need to allow God's word, we, we need to adopt a position, uh, a posture that allows God's word to reorient us and bring us in alignment with his truth. Uh, that's the duty of a disciple. And, and the word of God is clear that he wants disciples, learners, those who are learning from him, who, who consider his word a command, his words commands, his words principles of life. That, that, that we must live by, all right? It's not just neat to know what the Scripture says about things. We don't get to choose, pick and choose when we want to apply his word, but his word is, is to be obeyed at all times. His word is life to us. Are you allowing your heart and your mind to be repositioned or reoriented according to the scriptural command of God? That's what we should be doing. That's what a search me, oh God, mindset looks like. That is a search me, oh God, approach to studying the word of God. I intentionally use the phrase studying the word of God because terminology matters. Encouraging you to read the word of God doesn't go far enough. I said encouraging you to read the word of God doesn't go far enough. You can read something without much personal investment on your part. We call certain books fluff books in my house. It doesn't require anything. It's a getaway, kind of an escape. It's just a fun thing. There's no emotional attachment. There's no investment on our part. We're not intending to draw anything from that for our own personal improvement or edification, you know, uh, the book doesn't provide much more than, uh, than, 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 than entertainment or something interesting or something fun. So you can read something without much personal investment. But we are commanded in Scripture to meditate on and abide in the Word of God. Those terms paint a clear picture for us about what is required of us concerning the attention we give to God's Word. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 say, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. All right? So we should be in God's word daily. Day and night. His, and if we do that, it says, that man or woman who does that will be like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he or she does, he or she will prosper. So we see a relationship between our commitment to studying and obeying God's word, okay, and blessing and favor and our ability to thrive in the Lord. That's not a coincidence. That's real. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Sometimes it, it often gets misquoted, but, uh, you know, the misquoting part usually is the truth shall set you free. 
But it actually says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, abide in it, you are truly my disciples. And if you do that, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there is abiding in his word. You know, when you're abiding in something, all right, you're living there, all right? It, 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 it is something you're basing your life on, okay? This is not something that you play and fiddle with. This is something that is your life. You're abiding in God's word means I'm taking it in, and when I'm presented with that truth, I receive it, all right? I commit it to heart. I meditate on it. And, and, and I, I, I study it to the point because I want a full understanding as I can get of it, okay? And then I implement that truth in my life by the grace of God. As God leads me, as God helps me, as he gives me an understanding of how to implement it, my objective is not just to study it for the purposes of knowing it. It's studying it for the purposes of me reorienting my life according to it so that I am living with this truth being lived out in me and through me. That's abiding in my word. Goes way farther than reading my word. Reading is a part of it. It's an important part, but it's just a part. And it, it requires a much deeper and much more personal investment uh, of you, of your, of your whole person. And I want to encourage you with that. So, we're going to... I'm going, to he- I'm going to go ahead and save some stuff for, <laughs> for future weeks. But, uh, but I, want to, I, want to, I, I want you to meditate on that. And I want to uh, leave you a few things to prioritize th- that will encourage you to how to uh, prioritize Scripture. Now, we talked, I, I mentioned uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 7, verses uh, 12 uh, through 14. You know, and it, he talked about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, uh, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Well, if we're going to prioritize Scripture, I, want, uh, I would say it's important for you, number one, to repent of any apathy or disobedience toward that you've had toward the word of God. That, uh, uh, that's wickedness. That, that's a wicked way that needs to be turned from, okay? So that requires, again, you need to 2 Corinthians 7, verses 12 through 14. You need to read that and then apply. As God is convicting you in whatever area uh, 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 of life, whatever um Word of God that you're walking in disobedience in, okay? Whether it's practicing the one another's and so forth, you know, uh, the one another's of Scripture, how we're supposed to love and and and, and forgive and so forth, you know, th- those things of that we're supposed to do towards one another. But if you've been apathetic, or if you've been, um, you know, apathetic, you know, uh, indifferent towards, all right. You don't take the time to think about what does God's word say about how I should respond in this situation. You just respond based on how you're triggered, all right? Well, then you're being apathetic. You're not taking a moment 
to pray and, and, and consider what God's word says or how God might instruct you to handle a situation. Okay? So if that's you, then you need to repent of the apathy and disobedience that you may have had toward the word of God. You know, um, and you need to reposition your posture to a position of humility towards his word. Okay? And uh, and I would also say, uh, I think it would be remiss of me to say that and not say this. It requires a commitment on our part. You know, um, I, I, I believe um, it was David that said, thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. All right? To me, that speaks of devotion. That speaks of commitment. Okay? And it's like, you know what? I'm going to be very purposeful. You know, I, there may, it doesn't guarantee that I won't sin against you. But when I hear your word, you know, it's like I dig down, I bury that into my heart. I, 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 I give it opportunity to take root. All right? I weigh it heavily. You know, I, I, I pull it in and, and, and I embrace it. Because my heart is to not sin against you, God. Okay? And to me, that speaks of a commitment to walk wholeheartedly in spirit and in truth, to walk wholeheartedly in obedience to God. And, and so it, he prioritizes God's word for the purpose of that. Okay? And so I would say have that same commitment. Okay? Don't just... Um, Read God's word. Um, Bible study. It was never intended to be a thing you attended once a week. Okay? Bible study should be a daily thing. Anytime you get into the word of God, there should be an effort to study, to delve deep, to gain understanding because it is it's life. You want to reorient yourself according to it and walk therein. Okay? It's not just gaining a surface level, knowing, being able to recite the passage of Scripture upon recall and so forth. But it's also, how does this, how is this Scripture lived out? How can it become a part of, how can it become um, a living thing? How, how can it live, be lived out in, in through me, become a regular part of who I am on a daily basis? So repent of the apathy and disobedience toward the word of God. Uh, posture yourself to a position of humility, humble obedience to the word of God. Commit yourself to that. And I would say also pray. prayer is an integral part of this, okay? Uh, you're going to need to pray and ask God, well, really invite the Holy Spirit in, in, to do his job in you. Because the Holy Spirit, he does what Jesus did when he walked the earth for his disciples. The Holy Spirit does for all of us who are supposed to be his disciples in this dispensation, in this day and time. He will convict us of sin, right? He will lead us and guide us 
into all truth. And so ask God where your heart is heart. Ask, ask Holy Spirit to come and convict you of that and soften your heart. He'll do that through his word and by the inner work of the Holy Spirit. I'll end it right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll end it right there. And I just want to encourage you. Uh, I, I wanted to encourage you that way. I felt like God wanted to speak to our hearts and challenge us afresh concerning our posture of discipleship, our mindset, our attitude. He wants us to take a good hard look about what it means to be a disciple and, and, and how that should be lived out. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. Whatever your challenges are, whatever your fears are, whatever your concerns are, whatever your issues are, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. You are well able to walk in a way that glorifies God. You are well able to thrive even in this day and time, even through the stuff that we're facing uh, in, in these turbulent times. You are well able to be an ambassador of his in a way that will win souls for the Lord. And it's a good thing to be challenged in this way. It's a good thing. Because having heard the truth, you now have opportunity to reposition or uh, reposture yourself in, in humble obedience to that truth. God is a forgiving God. God is a God of grace and mercy. God can take where you're at and he can still fully accomplish in you what he called you to. The purpose that he's created in you. Father God, we thank you so much for speaking to our hearts, for challenging us afresh. And, 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 and Father God, uh, uh, I just pray that we're all being convicted. We don't want condemnation because condemnation does not uh, work or affect the will of God. Uh, condemnation causes us to shrink and fear and, and run away from the one we should be running toward. And so, uh, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You will not pervert this moment in the hearts and minds of God's people. You will not pervert this moment by 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 throwing arrows of condemnation at God's people. This is not a moment for condemnation. It is a moment for repentance. This is a moment for conviction and repentance and humble obedience to God's word. This is a, this is a corrective moment for us. And 
God's truth will resonate with us in the various areas of our lives that pertain to us. It'll be different for all of us. But your evil condemnation and, 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 and deception will not, we, we're not giving that place. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts. Convict us. Thank you for convicting us of our sin. And, um, and we ask you to give us grace, O oh God. Give us grace to humble ourselves. And receive your correction. And to walk in humble obedience according to your truth. Your word is truth. We thank you for it, Father God, and, and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely? Longing for heaven and home. When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me hallelujah he's faithful he's watching you God bless you love you guys see you next week